Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Geek Garage Podcast. I am your host, David Dassault. This is episode number 36. And today we are going to be talking about all things Joker. We'll be discussing basically a few different portrayals in uh, cinematic history regarding the Joker character. Um, A few instances as far as canon and the comic books and... We will segue then into uh, Todd Phillips's new movie, Joker, that was just released today. Uh, I have a wonderful guest. You might recognize him from uh, a little show that we do called Goes to the Movies. Ted, how are you? I'm all right. I am. Uh, I'm excited to branch out. I guess you might say a little bit. Um, we are still going to be talking about a movie, but. Um, it will have a little more context than that. So to steal your thunder a little bit, I know normally on our Ghost of the Movies podcasts, we just stick to the movie. On the Fight Club episode, for example, we delve a little bit into the book, but not really. Um, here, I'm excited because we're going to be able to dive a little more into the character and, and some of the some of the other mediums. Me- medias? Mediums? Mediums. Some of the other shit yes. he's been in. Yeah. <laughs> We talked about this originally being a Ghost of the Movies episode, but we we figure uh, and it makes sense because you know we just saw the Joker movie, and uh, of course we have some thoughts and we'll get into those here shortly. But we also you you had the cool idea to talk about some things that are not directly movie related, so uh, and things that tie into the comic books. And since you are a a big batman fan and plus just a general you know more about comic books i wanted to defer to your judgment and kind of let you take the reins a little bit talk about some of the comic book stuff and uh so we decided to make this a regular episode so that's why you know we're talking about a movie plus some some other non-movie stuff well let Um, me let me stop you right there because first of all deferring to my judgment is never a good idea so you have already made a terrible mistake. That's number one. Um, number two, you are correct. I'm a big Batman fan. I am a uh, huge Batman fan. In fact, I have a giant Joker tattoo. Um, so I, I think I know a little bit about what I'm talking about or plan to talk about. But of course, as always, uh, some nerd on the internet will tell me I'm wrong. But that's all right. That comes with the territory. <clears throat> I have right. been that nerd on the internet telling people they're wrong before. So I guess <laughs> the shoes on the other foot now, motherfucker. I, no, I don't believe <laughs> yes. that. No, I don't believe that doesn't sound like me at all. That, right. Um, uh, also, just uh, just a small note for our listeners: uh, this is our first kind of test session for basically doing remote uh, recordings. Uh, we're using a programs to uh, program to let Ted kind of remote into. Uh, this recording and um, and recording yeah. two different locations. Yeah. So we're, we're kind wanna, of testing the waters. I didn't want to drive way the fuck out there. Yeah, um, that's definitely one of the reasons why we're testing yeah. this out. So, uh, because, you know, now that I'm all the way in Murfreesboro, it'll be yeah, easier to do this. some of us live in this. civilization. So. Right, yeah. yeah. Yes, we are in two different locations. We're trying out a uh, new way of recording. That way we don't always have to be together. We don't always have to figure out our schedules and hey do i have time to drive and meet you here or there or wherever right um so if it sounds like shit which it invariably will because we're both morons just (laughs) just just deal with it that's all i gotta say 
Right. Yeah. I, I mean, um, it sounds great to me, but I just love listening to my own voice and hear me stumble over my own words just constantly, you know, and, and you speak perfectly and make me look like an idiot. So, you know, well, your words. Yes. Always. That you stumbled over. Anyway. Right. Um, yeah. Why don't you, uh, why don't you fill us in on some upcoming events? So, um, as we've talked about on the podcast before, we've talked about this a lot on Ghosts of the Movies, I know for sure, because I've mentioned it. I'm sure David has also mentioned it on some of the other uh, just standard geek garage episodes. We do have GalaxyCon yep. coming up in Louisville, Kentucky from November 22nd to November 24th. That is the weekend before Thanksgiving. Uh, Thanksgiving is with the 27th, I think, um, if my days are correct. So, it's the weekend before that. Get you, uh, get you nice and full of, you know, all your geek needs. This is that that didn't come out the way I meant for it to. That wasn't a sexual thing. Uh, well, it could be. I, that, that's not important. The thing is, just come out. I mean, I'm, unless uh, hey, you're into that, hey, free free love, man. Uh, consenting adults and all that. Well, yes, that's cool. Um, yes. But do come out to Louisville for GalaxyCon. It's at the Convention Center, which I think is downtown. Um, we are excited to be there. It's very, very cool, mm-hmm. very humbling for GalaxyCon to allow us to have a booth in the artist or vendor alley. I'm not sure exactly what it's called, but that's kind of the gist of it, where all the cool kids hang out. Um, the cool kids have also deemed us worthy, so that's that's definitely a big plus as well. Um, we we right. will be there. We have a very bitchin' banner that uh, Dave and I uh, sold yes. blood, basically, yep. to pay for. That's not true, but it could be. Um, <laughs> it's dope. Yeah, shout out to yes. Vistaprint for hooking us up uh, with that cool ass banner. We also have some really uh, class... Uh, Patrick Bateman approved business cards. He would be he would be stoked uh, for the four he of you. Has a watermark. Yeah. I want to kill him. Yeah, for the four of you that got that reference, thank you. Uh, for the rest of you, <laughs> get some culture. I don't know what else to say. Um, All right. Yeah, but we're excited to be there. That's coming up again. Eleven twenty-two through eleven twenty-four. We'll be in Artist Alley. Um, once we know exactly kind of what area or what booth we'll be in, we'll definitely post that up on all the social media sites, uh, social media links, which we'll cover as always at the end of the episode. So that is kind of the spiel for Galaxy Con. As always, uh, this episode is going to be spoiler heavy, not just for the movie yep. Joker that just came out, as David mentioned, but also just kind of some different Batman stories or some different Joker stories throughout history. Um, a lot of them will be like ancient <laughs> <laughs> compared to, uh, you know, relatively speaking or what some of you consider ancient. Um, so not sure that it would really bother you to have them spoiled, but as always, we want to be courteous, uh, particularly for the movie that just came out. That's getting a lot of hype. So, um, if you have not seen it, um, uh, watch it definitely before listening to the back right. end of the episode, we will throw up another spoiler warning before we start talking about the movie itself. So if you just want to hear us talk about the Joker, um, as a character and, you know, kind of throughout comic history, definitely stick around, um, like I said, we'll throw up that other spoiler warning before we actually start spoiling the movie Joker uh, yep. from 2019. So I don't know, David. I'm ready. Are you ready? I am ready. So let's uh, let's go ahead and do the thing. Let's go ahead and get into some history of the Joker character. Uh, talk about some some different portrayals. Sure. Yeah. Um, so the Joker as a character premiered, I think, in like Batman number one, to be honest. Of course, Batman was a character in just Detective Comics before that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he got his own. He was very popular, so he got his own comic book. Um, he was, I'm, I'm, he, the Joker, I believe, like I said, I think he debuted in the first issue. Um, and from the get-go, he was a very dark character. So you got to think, comics in the 40s in particular, this is like pre 
Comics Code Authority. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were a little darker. They were really highly influenced by like um, sort of pulp fiction. So like detective novels and some of the darker fantasy stuff. So right. um, they were, they, they went dark with the character immediately. Now he was kind of like a gangster in, in the th- 1930s sense, um, like robbing banks and shit like that. Fast forward a little bit to where like the comics authority comes in and they start cracking down and they're like, kids read these books. We should probably not have him like shooting innocent people in the face or poisoning people or, or what have you, you know, because yeah, I mean, prude makes sense. Prude. Yeah. Um, so that's when he kind of starts becoming a little more toned down. You might say um, a, a little more clownish, no pun intended. Well, kind of pun intended. <clears throat> And then just kind of throughout history, he's he's sort of ebbed and flowed. Of course, there's a really campy 1960s um, Batman show with Adam West where Cesar Romero plays, played the Joker. Um, and of course, it's very, you know, goofy, sort of campy portrayal. Um, it's fun, you know, if you're into that, but it's it's definitely not like... It's very far removed from things like Nicholson's portrayal or Ledger's portrayal or... You know, Joaquin Phoenix. Is yeah, I think campy is a perfect word for it. Yeah, so pretty much anytime I hear the word campy, that's the first thing I think yeah. of is is the Batman series with Adam West and, and Burt Ward. Um, either that or like a '60s B horror movie, but pretty much they're on the same level of like <laughs> terrible but amazing right. somehow. Yeah, also. <laughs> it's, it's a, that's definitely a weird line to straddle, but that Batman iteration and that joker iteration definitely defined that line very well yeah and um eartha kit as catwoman as a tangent kind of made me feel some kind of way you don't the first say few times i watched this show i was like okay all right okay yeah yeah a little her her purr voice that was whew. anyway we got off topic i don't know where that came from anyway uh that's old <laughs> memories suppressed memories there so the the character has definitely gone uh, undergone some changes i yeah. mean that makes sense right like it would be boring if the character was exactly the same in every iteration. And and then now as comics move forward, the ledger Joker from the dark Knight was like super, super impactful to comics. And, and one of the strange things is like a lot of the other portrayals, you know, like Nicholson's portrayal and even Mark Hamill's portrayal from Batman, the animated mm-hmm. series, which is fantastic. They didn't really have a, a huge effect on like the comics, but Ledger's did. So there's a pseudo sequel to the dark Knight that came out um, as a a comic. Uh, It's by Brian Azzarello. And I can't remember who did the artwork for it, but Brian Azzarello is the writer. He's a very good comics writer. He also did a hundred bullets. If anybody's um, familiar with that. And it's like directly inspired. It looks exactly the same as Ledger's Joker from the dark Knight, and acts very similarly in, in a lot of ways, but also has some of that, um, that like, like gang mob boss sort of Nicholson esque where he's trying to take back over right. Gotham as like a mobster. So it's a little more than just like the chaos mm-hmm. from like Ledger's Joker. Um, but it's still heavily inspired. And like I said, it's exactly the same from an artistic, like visual perspective. But, you know, I mean, the character has been around for like 80 years, basically, yeah, you know, long from time. the 40s to now, that's almost 80 years. And I think that one of the, I think one of the main reasons that he endures is not just because of those changes or those transformations, like we said, or the very good portrayals. Um, It's that 
it, it reminds me a lot of that Mencken quote where it's just like, um, from time to time, every man must feel like he needs to raise the black flag and slit some throats. And that's a paraphrase, but it's basically just like, I think that for every person, some deep down, some part of us wants a little bit of chaos or like we wish we could act in a way that quote unquote polite society would not be okay with. And I'm not saying that like, Hey, there's part of me that wants to go out and like purge people. I I don't mean it that way, but like, I think everybody can relate to just having a moment where you're just like, I wish I could fucking yell at this idiot and it just be okay. Whereas, you know, you can't like a a normal society wouldn't function if that were allowed. You know what I mean? Like we have to have some, some level of like civility. Right. Yeah. But I mean, that's, uh, it's pretty much correct. It feels like that's just part of the human condition. Like we just have these like internal thoughts or whatever that, you know, we just, we suppress because society and our just overall upbringing has said like, Hey, you can't act on those crazy thoughts. If we have people, parents, mentors, whomever that tell us that we're, it's, you know, quote unquote okay to have those thoughts to begin with so Mm. yeah yeah so i I think that's part of it i also just think that um in terms of performances from like the animated series to the different movies i think that the casting has been very done very well yeah i'll agree with that they've gotten very they've gotten very talented actors to portray the character Mm -hmm. which definitely helps i mean like you know jack nicholson who basically is an icon and even by 1989 was an icon, you right. know? So they, they get him, Tim Burton gets him, which is like, that's, that's like almost, it's all, the casting is like almost too good. You know what I mean? Because right. Nicholson's so good at turning on that, like craziness and that, that weird sort of vibe that he could put out. Right. Um, you know, so that's great moving in. Like I remember there was a lot of backlash when Heath Ledger was cast. Mm-hmm. Um, there's probably a lot of backlash when Nicholson was cast from some people, but um, that was a little pre-internet. But I, I remember vividly like the message boards because I'm old, <laughs> pre like pre-Twitter and and a lot of social media. Like message boards were like fucking he- what? Right? You yeah. Know, the but, the um, the backlash for that was I mean since the casting was would have been in what like 2007 maybe because uh, the mo- somewhere around there yeah because the yeah. movie was released in 2008 so yeah July of 08 yeah so the 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 reaction the internet reaction was much different back then i mean granted you know it's only like you know 11 years difference basically but uh you know it's you know the, the internet's changed a lot since then i mean i don't yeah. twitter wasn't around yet uh, as uh, as or far if as it I- was it wasn't like it definitely wasn't as ubiquitous as it is now right as big as it is yeah now. like i mean Facebook was still like up and coming and MySpace was still a thing. So, yeah. Um, so I like, I was, I was in a lot of like movie groups on MySpace and there was a lot of backlash there and a lot of like on the IMDb, IMDb message boards, Mm -hmm. there was a lot of backlash there, but I mean, we all know how that turned out. He turned in one of the best performances of a villain in the last like two decades, you know? Um, and I I, guess that's what happens when you, you know, lock yourself in a, a hotel room for like a month and, just to see what happens. Yeah, that was unfortunate. And he had a lot of other problems aside. Yeah. Know, aside from that with drugs and things like that. But 
I, I mean, my, my point was just that he was a fantastic actor, you know? So, I mean, mm-hmm. they got that. And then of course, Joaquin Phoenix, who's a, a great actor and has been, he's on an amazing fucking movie run. I was looking at his yeah. uh, IMDb earlier and I was like, damn, this guy for the last like 10 years, it's just been like banger <laughs> after banger after banger performance. Right. Um, so, I mean, that's another thing. There's just a lot that goes into the character. Um, Another thing I think that really plays into it is just that it's a character that has a lot of adaptability. So one of the reasons that the changes and the transformation in his character have worked so well is because it's very adaptable. He can go from, it's very easy to write him as like a complete sociopath where it's just like an agent of chaos to steal a line from the dark Knight. You can do some more, um, no pun intended, like comical or funny Things with him, there have been a lot of iterations where the Joker is very funny and usually in a very right. dark way, but still, you know, still yeah. very comical. Um, yeah, still on, uh, on the lighter side of things. Right. And then you can even do some of the really insane shit like they've been doing where there was an arc. Um, recent is a relative term, but over the last few years where like he had his face cut off and then would like staple it back onto his skull, basically. <laughs> um, so, I mean, you, you can go a lot of different ways with it. So it's just an adaptable character, which allows for creators to keep it kind of fresh. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's kind of like my, my comic spiel there, my nerd soapbox. Yeah. I, I appreciate all that knowledge. I, like I said, you know, at the beginning of the podcast, I don't have the biggest comic book knowledge. Most of what I have is kind of passed down from my word from you know you and and others luckily for you your co-host is a a fucking loser (laughs) has uh dedicated (laughs) most of his life to to reading children's stories i uh well i mean i was about to say i you know all seven of our listeners they might disagree with you uh about you know reading comic books but you know i I don't know they, they might feel like what brings us all together is just one giant losers club so you know yeah well i don't know that we want to call our listeners giant losers club but i kind of i kind of dig you well i i I say we it was definitely like self it was definitely like self-deprecating but yes um, with love right yeah yeah right with love i mean like i love comic like i said like i said at the beginning of the episode like i have a joker tattoo like i'm marked for life as a fucking moron you know (laughs) it's just you gotta own it yeah i mean there's the zeitgeist has changed so much, you know, where it used to be like, if you were into comics, you were a nerd as like a mm-hmm. pejorative. Whereas now it's just like, you know, the biggest movies of all time are all Marvel comics movies basically. Yeah. So, um, I mean, it's just changed so much where it's like, it is the mainstream culture now. Yeah. So, yeah, for sure. I have a lot yeah. of complicated thoughts on it. Let's get yeah, back to the Joker. That's the task at hand. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Uh, you want to get into the Joker film itself? Yes, and as promised, here is another spoiler warning. So yes. if you have not seen the movie, we are going to be discussing some of the plot points, um, as well as, I guess those are the main things we would spoil as the plot. Right, um, yeah. But if the- you haven't seen it, definitely check it out first before listening to the rest of the episode. Right, if you yeah. do go see it, hope you enjoy it. Yeah, um, The uh, just naturally the first couple thoughts we'll, we'll have or first couple things we go over, they might be might not be too spoiler heavy. But yeah, just from here on out, just know that, you know, we, we could be dropping spoiler bombs at pretty much any point. Yep. So, yeah. So, Ola, since you kind of did your spiel about, you know, Batman and the comics and the different iterations, I'll, I'll 
go ahead and you know take the lead on on the the first note so basically i since we're not going to kind of get into like overall thoughts just yet i'll you know just drop this in real quick like i thoroughly enjoyed this movie i uh ted and i i think we're definitely on different different wavelengths as far as you know what we got out of it uh, which is for the most part i mean it's it's bad and good but you know it, it's it, it's good for this podcast because i'll have certain things to say about it that won't necessarily mirror what he says so it'll be interesting instead of just us like kind of kind of like usual like oh my god this movie was awesome wasn't it ted and ted goes yeah it was amazing <laughs> so uh yeah the, there'll be some aka the once upon a time in hollywood <laughs> right yeah just for 45 <laughs> minutes it was just us gushing over yeah. like shirtless brad pitt so you know i mean i mean he, he, he's a beautiful man you know? so but yeah, uh i mean i mean you know? much different than a shirtless joaquin phoenix and the joker uh but mm, yeah, that's mm. yeah, yes, much more right. different. Um, so, anyways, so yeah, I one of the things that I thought worked really well about this movie was that it was an effective standalone film. Like, it's it's not supposed to. If you're not aware, it's not really supposed to be part of the DCEU. It's not really supposed to tie into any of the the very frequent, like you know, Justice League and uh batman versus superman or the upcoming like birds of prey as far as i know it's it's pretty much supposed to just stand on its own of course it's within the you know quote-unquote dc universe where you know it's it's canon you know he's the joker uh but it's it's basically you know living as arthur and then becoming the joker and i thought like i said it, it was just an effective standalone movie um it it was canon, but it it didn't have like very heavily caked on Easter eggs, like just everywhere, like uh, like nudge nudge, like you you kind of see what we did there, like yeah, there's Bruce Wayne, like I mean yes, Bruce Wayne did show up, but you know the the little things like that, they I felt like they were very well placed within the movie. Um, I feel like some may disagree with me, but I, I feel like that part of me, the the whole Easter egg thing. And I know Ted kind of feels the same way with the, with Easter eggs in general, just like fucking stop it already. We get it. Um, yeah. Oh. <laughs> I think that overall, particularly in like, um, I guess for lack of a better word, like geek related right. movies, they're too self-referential. Yeah. It's just like, it's kind of maddening. Like um, the scene in, uh, I think it's in Raiders of the Lost Ark where um, there's the callback, or I'm sorry, in Ra- the scene from Raiders, Raiders of the Lost Ark is where he reaches for his pistol and shoots the, the guy, the swordsman. And then it does a callback to that in uh, one of the later Indiana Jones films. And it's like, okay, that's funny. That movie's 30 right. years old. It's not funny anymore. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's just it's just been done yeah. to death. Yeah, for sure. But like I was saying, I mean they I felt like they incorporated just enough of like the Batman side of things just to kind of round out the movie and give it that like feel of it being part of the the overall DC universe instead of just like this random dude that's kind of 
kind of sort of the Joker, but not really. Um, I feel like it if they didn't include any, like, you know, uh, Bruce Wayne or um, what's his dad's name? Thomas Wayne. Yeah, I'm yeah, doing great here. Um, uh, you know, if they didn't include any of that, it, I, I feel like it would have felt, you know, a little lopsided, a little, you know, empty. But anyways, yeah. So like I said, I, I thought that was, you know, a pretty effective part of the movie. Another thing that I thought worked really well is uh, it was effective in uh, seeing life through the eyes of a villain. And I was kind of uh, stumbling over my words here uh, a second ago, trying to get this out. But yeah, he, you know, you, you see him, you know, start out as like, you can kind of see the crazy, almost like the beginning of The Shining where you see, um, see dude, he, he He's he's saying, but you feel like he's just, you know, one too many drinks away from like just tipping over and pouring out. And that's kind of how this dude is in in Joker, where, you know, he's he's just, you know, pretty close to the edge. He's obviously just been beaten down his entire life, both, you know, metaphorically, mentally, physically. And I I thought that that was it was very interesting to see, you know, life through, um, I don't know, kind of, kind of see, I mean, when, when you go, go see superhero movies, it's, you know, it's always the, the hero and you never really see life through the eyes of the villain. And at certain parts, you definitely want to feel empathetic for him. Uh, and sympathetic but definitely by the end you're like clearly this dude's fucking crazy um and uh, ted i'm i'm pretty sure you'll agree with me on that one no i mean i i definitely agree with you in the sense that it starts out and it wants you to feel sympathetic or empathetic towards the character of arthur fleck um where life just has kind of beaten him down the world has just kind of beaten him down and he's struggling with like a, a legitimate mental illness a legitimate condition where he laughs uncontrollably um even though that's not you know he doesn't find anything funny or he doesn't feel good about it it's just like a nervous tick almost um right yeah and then there's that turn brought on probably by CTE <laughs> yeah what you find out yeah um and it's yeah then there there is that turn where you're like, oh no, this he's not sympathetic at all. Um, you know, he's he's a fucking monster, mm. right? Um, I did yeah. want to touch on you mentioned one bad day, um, and you kind of did the side by side with The Shining was your example, which excellent movie. Um, but the one bad day is a big recurring theme within the Joker character and Joker stories in Batman comic books. Um, Of course, in the dark Knight, he mentions that, like uh, I think Ledger has the line where he's like, you know, madness is contagious. All it takes is a little push, you know? Um, And one of the more famous Joker stories by uh, Alan Moore, the killing joke, um, he kidnaps Jim Gordon and basically tortures him to say, you know, anybody can turn into me you know anybody can turn into a character like i am or or, or, you know a monster like i am all it takes is a bad day so he kidnaps him and and tortures him and um you know assaults barbara gordon and um 
like paralyzes her and then she becomes Oracle and on and on. But um, it's a recurring theme, like I was saying, kind of within within the Joker character and within that legacy. Um, so it's interesting that you pick that up. I think it's definitely intentional uh, on the writer's part to include that in the movie. Yeah, for now, sure. whether or not that was a quote unquote Easter egg or like a nod to that being a recurring theme with that character, I don't know. Um, I've said a million times, I don't like to assume intent on behalf mm-hmm. of the creators, but um, I, I definitely think it's interesting that you picked up on that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it definitely, I mean, it's, it's, you know, for sure a, a trope in movies in general, you know, where you see a villain go from just a quote unquote ordinary, you know, character or person living out their ordinary life to the bad guy. And, a lot of it you know as far as you know in the scope of the movie can be boiled down to like either one specific instance or events that happen in one day so yeah it it seems like a a trope but uh, it's if if you want to consider it a trope it is i thought it was you know relatively well done in in this one um you know the the whole the scene with uh where he kills those three guys that worked for um Oh, uh, was it Wayne Wayne Enterprises? Yeah, yeah, they were um, all. Um, I think it was like they kept on referring to them as like Wall Street guys, but they worked for work for Wayne. So I think it mentions that they worked for like Wayne Financial, which would be okay, presumably a subsidiary of Wayne Enterprises as a whole, but focused more just on like finances. Right. Um, they are mentioned as Wall yeah. Street guys, I, and I think this is as good a place as any to mention like. Gotham City, this iteration of Gotham City is basically like late 70s, early 80s New York. So mm-hmm. um, this is kind of the start or leading up to the start of like Reaganomics. Um, so think very similar to like a lot of the characters from American Psycho um, or from w- the movie Wall Street, like, um, you know, Gordon Gecko, Greed is Good, those type of characters. Right. Yeah. Um so there's just one last thing I wanted to uh, go over real quick before I pass it to you, Ted, um, was the cinematography. And this might be my favorite part of the movie. Uh, the The acting is probably a very close second. But yeah, just uh, as a photographer and videographer uh, hobbyist, I fucking loved just looking at this movie. Um, I know I probably irritated the shit out of you uh, with the number of times I just like craned my head over to you be like, did you see that shot? And you were like, yeah, I'm fucking watching the movie right now, buddy. And uh, yeah, I I just I thought it was um, just absolutely beautifully shot. Uh, and it's kind of weird coming from the dude that directed the hangover movies. So um, it's, it's kind of interesting to see that he's, uh, you know, gone yeah. in this direction. Uh, he of, is, you know, uh, he's definitely punching above his weight class with this one. Yeah. Yeah, uh, for sure. It, and it's, it's kind of cool to see. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest. Like I, you know, I, it's not like I'm, I'm trying to shit over the, uh, shit on the the hangover movies or anything like they're funny movies but it's yeah but they're it, not what you point to in terms of like this movie is very well framed and very well shot right. you know what i mean right mm. exactly um and i i tend to 
you know, with movies, especially and, and film, I tend to kind of applaud directors for stretching beyond the scope of what they normally do. Uh, and this is pretty much what uh, Todd Phillips is, is attempting to do. And uh, not only is he, you know, doing it, but he's doing it really well. And um, so, yeah, like I said, I, I think that's probably one of my favorite things of what I think works really well in this movie. Um, so, yeah, I'll, uh, with that said, I'll go ahead and pass it to you for some of your thoughts. Yeah, I would agree that um, the movie is very well shot. There's a lot of forced perspectives where it, um, the shot is framed in such a way so that it draws your attention to middle of the screen or to a specific area of the screen. Yeah. And that, that works really well in the movie's favor because it, it makes everything really kind of claustrophobic. A lot of this movie takes place in like, um, Arthur's apartment, this really shitty, mm-hmm. like one bedroom yeah. apartment, um, or like hallways, like alleyways. So like very small areas in terms of space, um, which just gives the whole thing a very claustrophobic feel, which ties in really well thematically yes. because, mm-hmm. you know, it is a character study, at least somewhat in mental illness. So that claustrophobia, that claustrophobia, that claustrophobic feeling really plays well with that. Um, yeah, it sure. also gives it like that really kind of uncomfortable, you know, just claustrophobia in itself is uncomfortable. So you're just kind of like on edge the whole time. Something that I really, really enjoyed that I'm going to, I'm going to completely butcher this, this woman's name. And I feel terrible about it because she did such an amazing job, but the soundtrack, the soundtrack was fucking phenomenal. Yes. And it's not it's not your typical um like orchestral soundtrack. Like it doesn't sound like an orchestra playing. It's a lot of like drums and really weird, off putting, you know, uncomfortable sounds like that. But it's by and again, I apologize, I'm gonna butcher this person's name, but Hildur um Gornador I, I have no idea. <laughs> um, but this is the same Good person job. she did the music. She did the music for um, the HBO series Chernobyl, um, oh, and also um, okay. part of uh, she scored at least part of the of the score for Sicario. Just uh, as a very very good yeah. soundtrack. Uh, yeah, and uh, I, Ted, I know you uh, you have not seen Chernobyl, but uh, Lindsay and I watched it, and yeah, uh, the score is definitely uh, a prevalent player in in that series. Mm. So yeah, it's, uh, but the, it, the score for, for this person is a reoccurring, um, you know, a theme for, for everything that, that mm. they have their hand in. So the score again, played really well into that, like claustrophobia. It really ratcheted up the tension in some scenes mm-hmm. and it just made it like almost unbearable. Right. Um, yeah. That said, overall, I had a lot of problems with the movie that, you know, as, as you well know, I'll get into, um, for one, the, the thing I liked about it the least, or I guess disliked the most, I, if I never, ever, ever, ever see another cliche abused child storyline, I will be a happy fucking person. It's, it's hackneyed. It's cliched. It's been done a million times. My biggest problem with it is for the Joker character specifically, it takes away a lot of the mystery. So the character of the Joker is effective because his backstory is unknown and basically unknowable. 
it's a recurring thing in all of his iterations, or at least most of his iterations, where he doesn't have a canonical origin, right? So in The Dark Knight, he changes his story several times throughout the movie about how he got his scars, for example. Mm-hmm. In the comics, there are different origin stories. Some of them are more quote-unquote canonical than others, but there's like the Red Hood storyline where he falls into the vat of chemicals. That was kind of played and shown on the screen with Suicide Squad, which I I don't ever really want to talk <laughs> about again, to be honest, right. but I had to mention it there. Um, and just to, just to have him as like, oh, he's, he was an abused kid. Like that sucks. And it tugs at your heartstrings, but it's just like, it takes away a lot of the mystery. So this is a standalone canon. Like for this movie, that's canonical. Um, but it takes away that, that unknown aspect and the unknown is terrifying, which makes the Joker terrifying. And, you know, just explaining that takes away the mystique and takes away a lot of the terror. Now that said, the, the, the character Joker in this movie is still terrifying, mm-hmm. but it's for different reasons. Like it's for what we see him do right. rather than just like the character of Joker in the comics, for example, or in the dark Knight. is just like, it's scary because it's just like chaos. Yeah. You do not know, you know, and that's, that's fucking frightening. You know, there's no order to it. There's no reason for it. Whereas here it's like, okay. Um, and, and, and again, this kind of plays into wanting to make you sympathetic to the character before you realize it's, he's a monster. It's just, it, it's scary because you see what this has led him to rather than just not knowing why, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, the, the other big thing that didn't really work for me is that a lot of the marketing was like, this is not a comic book movie. It's very much a comic book movie. Okay. The first hour is not. And then pretty much the turn when he starts to embrace Joker as his persona, mm-hmm. it becomes very much a comic book movie. Now, it's a very different style of comic book movie, but it's still undeniably a comic book movie. Sure. I mean... That's my... That's my yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I get that. <laughs> like, uh, again, you know, the whole ignorance is bliss thing w- works out for me in my mm-hmm. favor because, uh, you know, lacking the comic book knowledge, I mean, I... I didn't get the, you know, comic book feel adaptation at all. Um, and, you know, just to to be fair, um, you know, to follow my, my first statement up is that, you know, I I haven't read any com- uh, uh, Batman comic books for the most part. And I still kind of got like a comic book movie adaptation feel from, you know, like the dark Knight series, um, you know, obviously from all the MCU stuff. So oh, no doubt. So, I mean, no doubt. I, I don't know. I like, I, I definitely see where you're, <clears throat> where you're coming from with, with your points. Um, I, the, and I mean, I guess it's unfair to say that like, it's not necessarily a knock, but it's no, a comic I, book movie. Like, yeah. obviously it's based on a comic book. Pro- I'm just, my, my point was more like, I'm annoyed that they're trying to act like it's something it's not right. The overwrought B-plot with mm-hmm. Zazie Beats. Why was that in the movie? And that's not a knock on Zazie Beats. I think she's very, very talented. Um, my point was not that she wasn't good, just that like she was wasted. Like There was really nothing for her to do. I think it would have been better. Um, so let me back up. The overwrought B-plot is like she's his neighbor in his apartment complex. Um, they have a chance meeting in 
uh, the elevator for mm-hmm. like what, 30 seconds, yeah. maybe David. Um, and then as the movie goes on, you see them together in various places. Like she goes to see yeah, stand up comedy. They go right. On and I'm thinking to dinner. myself, like, man, uh, Gotham must really be hurting for like quality men. Uh, and especially in the looks department, because <laughs> Zazie Beats can do so much better than this, uh, this lanky dude. I yeah. mean, like Joaquin yeah. Phoenix himself, like when he's eating and he's healthy, like he's, you know, a, a fine looking gentleman, but he is not a good looking dude in Joker. So yeah, I, the, I was, no, I was definitely, uh, no my brain was definitely tuned into like, is, is this like, you know, uh, uh, existential thing. Is this all in his head? So when it turned out to be just that, Mm -hmm. that, you know, when you see him sitting in her living room and, you know, she comes out and she's basically petrified and, uh, I'm like, Oh, obviously like she, she does not expect him to be in here. And you kind of through her, um, her lines, you get the impression that pretty much this is the first time they've seen each other since that elevator meeting. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, mm. like that was definitely, um, you know, in, in the back of my brain. Just could have, just could have done without it. Um, I think it would have been maybe 30% more bearable if in that reveal where he goes into her apartment and she's like, what are you doing here? You shouldn't be here. Um, if it didn't do the flashbacks and change from all the scenes that you had seen them together in with just showing that same mm-hmm. scene, but without her in the frame, I think they would have been at least 30% more bearable. But again, over just overwrought. I was like, we don't need this. We've seen enough of this character. We've been shown enough of this character to know that he's batshit insane. We don't need this. Like, Oh, also he's imagining this. Like that, that to me, it didn't serve any purpose. And again, that's not a knock on Zazie beats. Uh, she's very talented. And frankly, was like a ray of yes. sunshine in this fucking movie, which was mm-hmm. def- definitely needed. In maybe, some aspects. maybe but, that's. Um, and and sorry. also, like you said, I mean, mi- maybe the I was going to say also her reaction when she finds him in the apartment, like yes. that's genuinely great acting. Like she was going up against Joaquin Phoenix, who's right. you know throwing ninety nine and, and just bombing this movie, and she she was right up there with him in no, terms absolutely. of like, performance. So, uh, yeah, for that scene. You know, so it's not, it's not a knock on her. It's just like, why the fuck was this B plot here? It was unnecessary. Yeah, I mean, in my and, and once again, like I, you know, I, I ultimately, uh, I, I don't agree with with that, but I, I see where you're coming from. I, I would be very interested to see a different cut where they um, were. N- n- kind of like you said where her character isn't cut completely but it's stripped down much more than it is i'd be interested to see how uh, the the tone of the film changes overall um i do feel like she she adds some i don't want to say much needed uh comedic uh relief or you know balance to to the movie but i mean she does add some balance to the movie to uh, just like you said the the addition of um ray and sunshine to this very grim dark movie you know she does help balance it out yeah i think relief is a good word she she definitely her character definitely brings in some like some humanity right um so i mean I, i get that i just like i said the Really, really, the worst part of it was, oh, now we're going to do flashbacks and be like, oh, no, she wasn't there. Where 
just her being surprised that he was in her fucking apartment and being petrified of it and begging him to leave. Like that was enough to let you know that that they sure. were never a couple or there was. Yeah. Never um, I mean, I, I, I definitely, bef- before they did those, you know, uh, flashbacks where, you know, he's basically, it, it's just like fight club where it goes back to all the scenes and, you know, Tyler Durden is, you know, they're one and the same. Um, it's, it's basically just like that. And I caught on to the fact that, that, uh, that she wasn't with him during those parts that he was imagining all that. So if I can pick up on that, it should say that pretty much anyone can pick up on that. So, you know, I, I will you know agree with you that they could have done without that small part, but um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then one last, one last thing. Um, this movie completely apes Scorsese. I mean, this movie is basically like taxi driver plus the king of comedy plus the character of the Joker. That's not necessarily a knock. I mean, there are definitely worse people sure. that you could crib from. Um, but it, as a huge fan of, of Scorsese and his work, I just kind of like, all right, Todd, like I, I see what you're doing here, man. You're not slick, you know? Um, but I don't want to, I don't want to completely shit on the movie. I did enjoy it, you know? Um, so, I mean, I don't want to completely just dump on it. Like I said, I think Phillips is really mm-hmm. punching above his weight class, so to speak. Um, but those are just some things that didn't really work sure. for me overall. Yeah, I get it. I, but we can stop talking about that. We can start talking about sure. the, the good um, stuff again. Yeah, I, I have, uh, I kind of marked some some of my favorite scenes. So, uh, I mean, the, 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 like the major like turning points and, and, you know, climaxes, uh, I guess, were awesome in this movie. Uh, I mean, like, I, well, I don't want to say like the violence was awesome, but it was definitely, yeah, it was very it was effective, effective and very poignant um, and crazy and made everyone in the theater, including myself, say like, well, fuck, that just happened. Holy shit. Okay. Um, but aside from like all that, like all the obvious, like, oh yeah, those were good scenes that everyone's kind of going to agree on. So one of my favorite scenes was the bathroom scene. And that was right after the subway shooting, after he shot down the three dudes. And I don't know why Uh, it's I think it was a combination of the way it was shot. And and Ted, I know you spoke a little bit about the when we were talking about the cinematography, how, uh, you know, he used force perspective to to kind of indicate where your eyes should go. So I think that played a big part in just in this shot and how it was one of my favorites just the way it looked um the it captured the the tone of how you feel like when you're in a a really shitty public restroom um you're like okay i need to do my business and get the fuck out of here before i slip my own throat um because this is insanely depressing um but it was that combined with like just him his coping mechanisms for like dealing with you know extreme depression depression and stress and he just you know starts dancing um and and that like his his movements and um you know just him acting the shit out of the the joker role in in that moment was i i disagree with that being his coping method though i and i agree this scene was great I took that him, him starting to dance. I took that as that being the first time he ever felt happy. Mm. Yeah, I mean, so that's just his expression of joy. Like he finally, 
in a terrible way has discovered how to be happy and it was by murdering three people. Sure. Um, yeah. I mean, I can, I can I, definitely I see that. Was, yeah. I mean, that, that yeah. makes sense as well. It, it just like, I, I kind of picked up on it as a coping mechanism uh, first because it, it seems like he, I don't know that that's what he did. Like, uh, growing up like with his mom like his mom was uh, you know she had manic episodes and she was very like whimsical in her you know uppers moments and you know it seemed like you know they would just do like weird dances in the living room and stuff so i kind of right. felt like that was him trying to overcompensate for the the madness that he just partook in but you also bring up a, a very valid point um and one that might be more more but, you know correct than my assumption so I, I mean rather than it being a coping mechanism to be to him being like this is what we did you know like during one of my mother's manic episodes like i think i think so before because you see him like kind of dancing and, and you know mimicking other people i think before he's like this is what happy people do sure so he's like acting it out. And then when he finally feels it, he's like, oh, well, like I said, I, I think that's the first time he's felt like joy. Right. Again, it we can't say we didn't write the script and I don't like to assume intent. That's just what I got. Out sure. Of it. No, that I mean, that definitely makes sense as well. Uh, yeah, it's uh, food for thought whenever we end the podcast. I'd like to uh, chew on that some more. Um, but yeah, so that was uh, that was definitely one of my favorite scenes, like I said. Um the the stairs scene uh the kind of one that we're pretty much all familiar with if you've seen the uh the trailer at least once uh, you know when when he's going down and it's in slow motion for the most part and you know he's splashing in puddles and stuff and the song choice i thought was very interesting and unique i gary glitter rock and roll too yeah that right was kind of like it kind of came out of nowhere i believe it was like one of very, very few like um, real world songs like it, that that wasn't part of the score that was used in the movie. There's like the, the um, bring in the clowns or whatever it's called, uh, yeah, Sinatra. Uh, which yeah. I mean, is is appropriate, but like to have that in there just kind of came out of left field. But it kind of worked like I, I kind of liked it. It definitely it definitely did fit that scene. It was just, um, it, so it wasn't a bad song choice. It was just very weird because yeah. all, all the other songs that were not part of the score, I, I may be wrong in this, but I think I know for a fact, the majority of them were like Sinatra, either, either a definitely Sinatra songs like that's life or bringing the clowns, um, or that era of songs. And then to, to, for him to come out in the full suit and then start dancing to, you know, gig glitter was like, what the <laughs> right. fuck? You know, but again, it was, yeah, it was yeah, effective. For sure. um, you know? What were some of uh, some of your favorite scenes? So, I, I, like I said, I definitely agree with the bathroom scene. I like the stairs. Um, I think that they came up in a few different important ways. So, the first couple of times we see him going up the stairs, or we the first couple of times we see the stairs, we see him ascending them, going up, and he's climbing and struggling to the top. You can kind of feel like the character has like the weight of the world on his shoulders, basically. Right. As he embraces Joker. And then again, it's in the trailers. Like you mentioned, he's coming down and dancing down. He's carefree. Mm -hmm. He's at the top and he's descending. Now he's descending the stairs literally and also metaphorically into madness. Mm -hmm. um, 
I liked the scene where his ex coworkers came to visit him. Yeah. The, um, and only one left. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, that was like, you, he's already, you know, killed several people at this point and has fully descended into being the Joker. Um, but it was just a great scene because he's talking to him and he's like fucking with them and they don't really quite get that. Like, it seems almost like they came to shake him down a little bit and be like, what did you tell the right. cops? And then yeah. that dude, like he fucking stabs him in the eye with a pair of scissors and then stabs him. or I'm sorry. He stabs him in the throat with a pair of scissors then stabs him in the eye with a pair of scissors and then beats his face into the fucking wall and then you know, mm-hmm. him. Meanwhile, the other character is like, of course, freaking the fuck out. Right. Um, and then he just sits down and is just like, all right, man, you can go. And of course the other character doesn't fucking believe him. Right. Um, I didn't believe him. Like yeah. I, I thought and, he was going to throw this fucking dude out the goddamn window. Yeah. Like, so like I he, thought... he walks by and he's just like, as he's walking by, uh, he's like, ah! he jumps at him a little bit. I thought that was terrible, but funny also a little bit. Uh, Cause right. I'm apparently a fucking psycho, but um, well, I mean, I thought like, it was funny too. So, you know, wasn't saying about me just, as well. well. I think most of the theater laughed, in fact. So maybe we're all crazy. Yeah. But um, when he was just like, "You were the only one that was nice to me," I was like, "That's that's not really that doesn't make it okay, man. <laughs> that does not make this okay." Um, I thought that scene overall was very good. Uh, and then the scene at the end, after he stands up on top of the car and he's, you know, he's bleeding out, you know, internally. So he's got his blood coming mm-hmm. out of his mouth and he fixes his smile by taking his fingers. That was absolutely and, and, beautiful. Yeah. My God, that scene was good. Honestly, Jesus. in my opinion, this is just my opinion. That should have been the final scene. I thought it was going to be honestly, like yeah, I, I, I thought that was going, to, I thought it was just going to be quick cut to black, no fade, just quick cut to black. And I, and, I thought credits. they were going to do. Yeah. Like it was going to cut to black and then they were going to do the splash of the title and then the credits are going to roll. And I think that would have been the perfect way to end it. Mm-hmm. As it stands, the ending is not terrible. I just think it's no. like, that would have been much better. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, I, so how about this? What if that was the actual ending? And then we uh, throw in one of um, the like mid mid credit scenes uh, as that uh, where, where, uh, you know, it ends with him like, you know, what, are you going to tell me your joke? And he's like, yeah, you wouldn't get it. Um, so I- I'm glad you brought that up. Um, that ending is very, 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 very indebted to taxi driver. So, um, spoiler alert for Taxi Driver. <laughs> um, <laughs> he goes, Travis Bickle, played by Robert De Niro, goes and shoots up the crack house slash uh, whorehouse, what have you. Mm-hmm. And that's where you get the famous scene where he's been shot. He's, you know, sitting against the wall, bleeding, and he, he does the fingers to his head like like as a gun. Right. Um, then the movie changes it goes to another scene where he's hailed as a hero and they're like you did a great thing and you know vigilante justice and this and that there's a lot of debate about the ending of taxi driver is that what actually happened or is that like his dying dream Hmm. so i kind of got that vibe from joker's ending where he's in arkham and he's talking to the doctor 
and he's, you know, she laughs or he laughs and she said, what's so funny? And he's like, it's a joke, but she wouldn't get it. And then as he walks out, he's got the bloody footprints and then he's getting chased by the orderly. And that's when the movie ends. So I don't know. I'm kind of torn because part of me feels like, so there's a few different ways to take that, right? The first way you can take that is like, Everything that we have seen is exactly how it happened, other than, you know, the parts where with he and Zazie beats his character, whose name escapes me, where she was never actually involved with him in any way, other than just like living down the hall. Right. But other than that, like you can take everything that happened with him getting arrested and all that, you can take it as um, he's dying after being hit by the ambulance, mm-hmm. and this is what he imagines happens. Or you can take it as none of the movie happened and he's just a patient in Arkham. Mm. Now, I find that last one to have the least amount of credence, although you do have the scene earlier where it's a flashback to him in Arkham, you know, as a as a uh, as a patient, a, an admitted patient. Yeah. But I, I mean, it's added in to be ambiguous in some ways. Um I haven't fully, I'd like to see it again before I kind of really make a final decision as to what I think happened. I kind of tend towards the first iteration where it's like he was arrested and now is in Arkham. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm not 100% sure. Like I said, I'd like to see it again before I really make a uh, definitive statement, I guess, on what my opinion is. Yeah, uh, I I feel like that uh, that very last scene where he's, you know, walking down the hallway with the bloody footprints, I feel like everything up to that point, like, uh, was was pretty much real. And then that part of him running down the hallway or walking down the hallway with the footprints and and running from the orderlies, like, that could be, like, you know, made up in his mind or just thrown in there to be um you know this this existential thought or whatever uh so i i feel like it's it, it's maybe a mixture of uh you know a couple of those you know different scenarios that you brought up so yeah mm-hmm. um and then i have uh one more it's not a scene necessarily it's, it's just something that i noticed um as we mentioned earlier fleck has the condition where he laughs uncontrollably mm-hmm. Um, at, at various instances where he feels uncomfortable or threatened in some way, as he more fully embraces becoming Joker or descends more fully into madness, depending on your perspective, becomes more comfortable in that, that goes right. away. Yeah, I definitely noticed that. Um, yeah, and it's just like, um, that's an interesting, number one, I think that's a very good touch, mm-hmm. right? It's very subtle. Um, just from a... Yeah, from a characterization perspective, I think that was very well done. But it's it's also interesting in that that's very similar to a, din- a dynamic that Batman has possessed, which is, um, is the real person Bruce Wayne, or is he really Batman? So, like, is the ba- is Batman wearing a mask, or is Bruce Wayne wearing a sure. mask? And it's, it's, it's the same thing where now it's like, is he Joker wearing an Arthur mask? Has he always been that? Or is he Arthur wearing the Joker face paint? Um, I, I just think it was an interesting dynamic, an interesting thing to think yeah. about. But I thought that was a very good character yeah. point where they 
um, as he more fully embraced that, he started to lose that condition. Yeah, yeah for sure. I, I thought, I, I agree with that. I, I thought that was a very nice touch and the, the subtlety definitely goes a long way um, for making that um, relatively effective. So uh, yeah, I, I think that's pretty much it. Uh, you want to get to yeah. just kind of overall thoughts and um, close it out and head to uh, our closing segments. Yeah, I think that um, the the number one thing about this movie that I liked um, was Phoenix's performance. Like I said earlier, he's a fantastic actor. He's like almost stupidly talented, mm-hmm. um, and he definitely brought his A game with this one. It's just the it's a little the little touches that he added that really put this one over the top, like the eyebrow movements and. And some different things and just like how he can go from basically looking like a ghost to looking like he's 10 feet tall and the most confident man on the planet. Um, right. It, it just, it was fantastic. And he, I mean, he, he's on screen for what, like 99% of this movie probably. Mm, um, yeah. And he is magnetic. He fucking crushes it. I definitely agree. Uh, his, his acting performance, I, you know, I don't really put too much stock into, you know, Oscar awards and, and shit like that. But, you know, he he definitely deserves some recognition for, for his performance. He's, I, I do feel like he's a definitely an underrated actor. Um, you know, I, I haven't seen a, I haven't seen everything that he's done ever, but, uh, you know, I've, I've seen a lot. I've, uh, one of probably my favorite film of his up until this point uh, has been her. And I thought he was awesome in that movie, Uh, a totally different character. uh, But yeah, I, you know, I've just always recognized his, you know, a game acting performance that he typically brings to, to all of his movies. Um, So, so there's that, Um, uh, you know, I think, you know, like I said earlier, that the cinematography was just absolutely beautiful. Um, it it does so much for this movie. Uh, I I really enjoyed, you know, just looking at it. Um, it was really very pretty. Uh, the Another thing that I didn't really mention uh, about this, that I mean, it kind of hit close to home for me as far as depression. Being someone that suffers from depression from time to time, it's... Uh, it hit close to home for, for certain things that I struggle with. Definitely not on that scale of, you know, uh, lashing out in, uh, you know, shooting people on the subway and, you know, crushing people's heads into walls and, and all that. But um, like the scene after he, I think it's the scene after he gets fired maybe, or, or one of the scenes where he gets yelled at by his boss and he's like out in the alley and kicking the garbage. Like I, I related hard to, to that reaction. You know, I, I, I tend to have, you know, outbursts from time to time. And so I just, I thought that the display of um, the typical kind of like attitude for someone who suffers from depression and, and the way that they deal with it was, was very truthful to, you know, to how, a lot of people deal with, you know, depression and, um, anxiety, anger, you know, certain mental 
conditions like that. So that was one thing that I really, uh, I kind of, I got out of this movie just in general was, uh, and enjoyed was just that overall portrayal. So, um, yeah, that's that's kind of like my my last closing overall thought. Yeah, I, I would say this movie is definitely not for everyone. So because of that, it's hard to recommend, right? Like I would not recommend this movie to a lot of the people I know, even the ones that are in the comics, because it's like it's definitely definitely not what they're going to expect. But I mean, it's I I even though I did have some faults with it, um, I did I did enjoy it. Yeah, I feel like this is a movie that uh, that non-comic book fans would would be able to go and enjoy. Like people who like you know dramas and and just crazy you know mindfuck movies like this, but don't typically go see like popcorn flicks that you know are based off of comic books i feel like this movie could be for them as well um you know the those popcorn comic book movies tend to carry a lot of baggage and like oh you have to see you know the preceding 40 movies in order to get all these references um and this i i feel is is not really like that it it you know like we said before it's it's a standalone movie so it's one of the things in that right. It's very effective with that. It's, um, you know, very, very good at standing alone and it doesn't have, uh, it doesn't rely too much on, on you needing to know, you know, certain things going into it. Yeah. That's kind of all I had. Do you want to, uh, go over and hit our quick hits? Yeah. Quick hits. You, uh, looks like you got a couple. Yeah, so quick hits, as always, this is news you can use that will be out of date by the time you listen to this podcast, so yes. fun, fun. The yes. first, this was just announced today, Friday, October 4th, um, Marvel, Disney Marvel is releasing a 23-movie box set called The Infinity Saga. It's going to apparently have all of the movies leading up to and including Endgame. Mm-hmm. And retail for around $550, $450, is what I saw, which I guess for 23 movies, that's probably a pretty good deal. Um, I personally don't think I could care any less about this, but I know <laughs> that a lot of people will be super into it. I mean, you care enough to, yeah. you know, put it down in our notes, so... <laughs> Well, I'm thinking of the fans, David. I'm guessing that a lot of our fans are probably... Well, you know what? Fans. I clap for you. I, I applaud for you on, on that one. Um, and you put a note about the, the birds of prey trailer. Um, I'm, I'm so happy that you mentioned that. I, um, I watched the trailer. I wasn't blown away by it, but we kind of had, we we talked about it. Yeah. We kind of had the same thoughts. Like it seems good or it could be good, but you and McGregor McGregor looks like he's having the time of his fucking life. I'm always (laughs) here for that. Yes. Um, my thinking was, and I think you and I had kind of talked about this when we both sort of watched the trailer independently. The Suicide Squad trailer seemed good, and that movie was a goddamn disaster. Shit show. So yeah. I'm uh, I'm holding out judgment, of course, uh, on this one until I either see another trailer at the very least or, you know, see the movie. Um, I will say, um, you know, I'm, I'm saying Margot Robbie's praises a bunch of times on this podcast and will continue to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, she seems really invested. Yeah. Meaning that, like, I think she's going to be good regardless of whatever else is going on. Yeah, for um, sure. She seems to really like p- playing this character. 
Um, or maybe just like likes getting the checks. I don't, I don't know. Um, no, but I, I will say she seems to have really studied the character, and particularly the performance of Arlene Sorkin, who mm. voiced Harley Quinn from Batman the Animated Series, which of course is where that character was uh, created. Right. Yeah, um, I'm sure it also helps uh, when she's not surrounded by fucking morons. Uh, so uh, I'm sure yeah. that that definitely helps, you know, make a better overall movie and help your acting performance when you're not having to carry everyone's weight on your shoulders as well as your mm-hmm. own acting performance. So, yeah, yeah her, I, and, uh, her and Will Smith really, really goddamn tried. I'll give him that, but man, that right. was a complete fucking disaster. Mm, yeah, um, that's that's for another podcast. Or, yeah, um, yeah, we'll get there. Uh, right. Uh, Moving right along with some good news. Mm-hmm. Um, the Uncut Gems trailer is finally out. Yeah. Um, this yeah, is a Adam more Sandler of a, movie. Guess, a niche movie um, where Adam Sandler plays a apparent sleazeball, I guess is yes, the best way of describing it. Yeah, a big old sleazeball. But man, this movie looks fucking good. Mm-hmm. Um, he plays a, uh, I'm not sure what his character does as a profession, but he apparently gets in bad with some bookies. Um, and it looks like shit goes really bad for him really quickly based on that. Um, it looks fucking incredible. It's by the Safdie brothers. I'm, I'm not sure if our listeners are, they're probably not super familiar with them. They've done some other things, um, but they are very, very talented, very talented duo. And this movie looks fucking, Sandler is when he wants to, he can fucking act his ass yeah. off. So I'm really excited. Yeah, for this sure. Um, and then this movie got announced a little while ago, um, but it's officially started filming or maybe a release date was set for, but a 24 is releasing a version of Macbeth st- um, starring Francis McDormand and Denzel Washington. Yeah. Denzel Washington, I'm sure everybody knows who that is. Francis McDormand has been in a lot of movies, particularly a lot of the Coen Brothers movies. She was in Fargo. She was the main character in Fargo, for example. Um, and this movie will be directed by Joel Cohen. Just Joel Cohen. E- Eaton is not involved. Uh, I, I don't know if this is maybe a passion project for Joel yeah, or maybe could be. Like, nah, dog, I got other shit going on. Um, but I'm. I'm sold <laughs> like one of the Coens, Francis McDormand, Denzel Washington. I don't care what it is. I'll see it. The fact that it's Macbeth, which is probably my favorite fictional work ever. I'm, I'm going to be there front row fucking side yeah. for this one. I'm very excited for it. So I cannot wait. Cannot. Yeah. Wait I, I, I definitely um, can't say that Macbeth was my f- favorite fictional um, work, but it was definitely my favorite play from Shakespeare. Uh, granted, I only read a, a handful, but, um, I do remember Macbeth pretty much being my favorite. Uh, so yeah, uh, you know, with, with that, uh, it being released under the A24 umbrella directed by Joel Cohen with Francis McDormand and Denzel Washington. I mean, what the fuck else could you? There's literally nothing about it. Right. That I don't. Like. So <laughs> like, this is almost, yeah. 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 This is going to so. be good. Um, so that's that's all I have for quick hits. Did you have anything else you want to throw uh, in there? No. Um, and I know these are typically segments we do on the, uh, of course, the Ghost of the Movies episodes. But since, uh, you know, primarily what we talked about on our main episode, uh, main show episode today um, has has been a movie. Uh, that's that's kind of why we're doing these other segments that typically fall under the Ghost of the Movies episodes. So, yeah, just wanted to throw that out there real quick. Um, but yeah, we, uh, do you want to do shit that doesn't suck real quick? Yes. So, um, my shit that doesn't suck is, what the fuck did I decide? Oh, 
that. Sorry. Yes, so my show that doesn't suck is um, the Ong Bak trilogy. Now, for those of you that just heard that, we're like, what the fuck is he talking about? Uh, Ong Bak was a movie from 2003. It's a Thai film starring Tony Jaa, who is pretty much Superman. Um, he is a Muay Thai expert as well as just a, a fucking insanely athletic human being. And much like some of his action predecessors like Jackie Chan does all of his own stunts. Um, like I said, this movie came out about 15 or 16 years ago. It is one of the first movies that really broke in America for him, where he plays a, um, young Thai man who, who's, um, kind of gets sucked into this like criminal syndicate. Um, and the stunt work and the action choreography is just fucking bonkers. I, I, I was reminded of this movie on Twitter uh, about a week ago, and I was like, oh shit, I haven't watched that in so long. So I ended up, I bought, the whole trilogy is available on Blu-ray for like $12 <laughs> on Amazon. So I was like, yep, that's worth it. Um, rewatched it, and I was just like, man, it's fucking insane. It's so, yep. so good. I cannot recommend it enough. For just like, if you're into action movies and like real stunt work, it's, just, it's fucking phenomenal. Cool. Yeah, sounds good. What about you? What do you got? So I have actually one of your favorite movies of all time and something that was just mentioned recently on, I believe, our last episode that we did on practical effects and is going to be our first episode for our spooky Halloween episode series uh, that, uh, you know, that's not the official title, but, uh, you know, for the Ghost of the Movies um, episodes here in October. Uh, we are going to first cover John Carpenter's The Thing, and that was my shit that doesn't oh, suck. Yes. Um, yes, and you were right. We, that shit does not suck. Yes, it is the opposite of suck. In fact, um, I so I really didn't have a whole lot of um, knowledge and background going into this movie as to what was going on, and it turns out that that's perfectly fucking fine because there's really not much to know other than the fact that there's a bunch of dudes in Antarctica, you know, doing some kind of research. It's not important what the fuck they're doing, but all you need to know is that there's this alien life form that they stumble upon uh, or stumbles upon them, depending on how you look at it and just takes the fucking form of everyone and just ends everyone's life one by one. Um, and man, uh, did we do a uh, uh, do it a service of you know talking about it on the practical effects episode? We we didn't talk about this movie enough apparently because man, it fucking yeah, blew no, me I away. I mean, we could have done a whole episode just on its effects, and I mean, we're gonna do a whole episode on yeah. it. So I mean, yeah, that's you know, we're gonna it's gonna get its just deserved. Yeah, that's that's definitely why we we didn't go into it more more in depth is because we had uh, I think that that's kind of when we made plans to do an episode on the thing uh, is when we're talking about the the practical effects episode and we're like you know what fuck we'll just we'll just do a whole episode on the thing and I think that's going to be our theme for you know all our quote unquote Halloween episodes for for the month of October is. Uh, just all John Carpenter, right? Isn't that what we what we agreed upon? I think that's what we decided. Yeah. on, which I am super super fine with. Right. Um, Carpenter is one of my favorite directors. Yeah, um, maybe. I mean, if we're going just on number of number of times I've seen a John Carpenter movie, he's definitely my favorite. Mm -hmm. 
um, because I have seen The Thing and Halloween and Big Trouble in Little China, and they live probably about 5,000 times cumulatively. <laughs> so, um, yeah. But uh, I'm very excited for it. Um, I plan to bring my at least my B plus game, if not my A. Oh well, that's good to know. <laughs> uh, minimum, right, yes, minimum uh, at least. Uh, so yeah, I, I guess that's uh, that's going to do it for for this episode. Um, Ted, thank you so much for for joining me as my guest. Uh, I know that you you only signed a contract to be on the Ghost of the Movies episodes, but I appreciate you taking the time to be on the main show as well. So thank you for that. Uh huh. Yeah, you, you cool. are. You are. Um, I expect uh, payment. The check okay. Better be well, now. we'll see. It'll it'll be made for like three dollars. Mm-hmm. Um. Three dollars. Cool. I don't have. Now, well, I mean, so. just as long as you know that's good enough for you. That's that's all that matters. Um. Anyways, uh, like always, you can find us at geekgaragepodcast.com on uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Make sure you like and follow us uh, on there. Uh, make sure you like and or uh, just subscribe to the podcast. Uh, we're on pretty much all all the platforms out there, including Spotify and YouTube. Uh. So make sure you go subscribe. And if you uh, have a spare few minutes, we would greatly appreciate a rating and or review for uh, wherever you uh, grab your, your podcast, whether it be Apple podcasts or Google podcasts, wherever Um, leave us a rating and review. Let us know uh, if you like us, hopefully you do. If not, um, you know, just don't, Lying is encouraged. <laughs> yes. Um what what Ted said, lying is encouraged. Um just just talk us up because even better than money, even though money is great, uh we at this point in time would love some great reviews out there. It helps boost us in the quote unquote polls and, and rankings in the iTunes sphere and the, the Google sphere. So uh it, it definitely helps out in the long run for us to have some some reviews and, and some ratings that that are good so so yeah uh that will do it for this episode and like always be kind stay geeky and eat lots of cheesecake bye